Say, this is God's word. Come on, say it with conviction. This is God's word. Not Pastor Eben's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your people. Thank you for your word. And I pray tonight, Father, that the word of God will come in such a way that it will change lives. It will, Father, give us wisdom in areas that we need it. The Spirit of God will move in such a way that when we hear the word, we won't hear a man, but we'll hear from God. And as I decrease now, I thank you for the anointing of God to increase, to feed every person in this room spiritually so no one will leave this place spiritually unfed. And I declare that now in Jesus' name. And if you believe in that prayer, say amen. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you tonight. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to find 1 John chapter 5, verses 14. 1 John 5, 14. And then I want you to put a ribbon in Acts chapter 4, verses 13. I'll say those two verses again. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14. And then Acts chapter 4, verses 13. And I believe today's society, there seems to be no absolutes. They are actually now creating laws where a man can go in a lady's restroom and a lady can go in a man's restroom based on what they feel they are. Amen. It's dangerous in these days to put our confidence in our jobs, confidence in our economy, or anything that's man-made. But I want you to know tonight that God wants us to have confidence in Him so that we can receive what he has promised us. So if you're taking notes today, I I, I sent an email out. The message is the power of confidence. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, buckle your seatbelt. The power of confidence. And if you have your Bibles, find 1 John chapter 5. And I only have two points tonight, but they're two very powerful points. Here's the first point if you want to write it down, and that is confidence starts with God, with, with, with who God is to you. I'm going to say that again. Confidence starts with who God is to you. We already know based on God's word, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, but God can only move in your life based on who he is to you. The Bible says that God wishes that everybody...
to be saved. But everybody is not saved. You know why? Because they have to confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in their heart that God's raised him from the dead. Then they will be saved. But just because it's God's desire for them to be saved doesn't mean they're going to do their part to get saved. And so God wants us to have confidence. And so the first point is confidence starts with who God is to you. First John chapter 5, very powerful verse. Let's look at it. It says, and this is the confidence. Everybody say confidence. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we, look at your neighbor and say, that's you. That if we ask anything, watch this now, according to his will, he hears us. Verse 15, and if we know that he hear us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. What a powerful verse. You know what that verse is saying? That verse is saying that if we have confidence in who God is, we can ask for what we want. We will know that he hear us. And when we know he hears us, he will give us what we ask. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So let me define confidence, and then we're going to jump into the lesson. Confidence in the Bible means to be outspoken. It means bluntness or frankness. You know how people say, you know, uh, just to be frank about it. What they're about to say is straight truth to you. It also means assurance. It means to be free and fearless and confident. And here's the last one. It means freedom in speaking. What he's saying, let's go back and reread it. And this is the freedom in speaking that we have in him. This is the boldness that we have in him. This is the assurance that we have in him. Now go to Acts chapter 4. Keep your hand here. We're going to come back. Go to Acts chapter 4. Let me show you this same word, confidence, in a different English word in the New Testament. In other words, the New Testament was written in Greek. So the Greek word for this word confidence, I'm going to show it to you again, but they changed the English word. It says in Acts chapter 4 verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness... Of Peter, the word boldness is the same word, confidence. So when he said, and this is the confidence that we have in him, he said, this is the boldness that we should have in him. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. Oh, my God. That's a fight, ain't it? Let somebody call you ignorant. That's a fight. They marveled and they took knowledge of them. Because they had been with Jesus. Notice now, Peter and John had boldness, and it wasn't because of their education. It was because of who they were with. Go to Hebrews chapter 4 very quickly. Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4. Let me show you this word confidence one more time. Hebrews 4 verse 16. And if you can't find it, you can look on the screen. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. This is one of the verses that I believe most believers don't activate in their life. And I'll show you why in my lesson, why most believers don't activate this verse in the Bible. 
It says, let us therefore come how? Come on, class. Come how? It, that's that word that's over there in the book of 1 John 5. Let us come boldly with assurance, free from fear. Watch this. To the throne of grace. You know what that's saying? He's saying when you pray and you go before God, you shouldn't go before God with no doubt, fear, or unbelief. He said you ought to be able to go in there boldly. He said, come to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And let me tell you why most people cannot go to God boldly. One of the main reasons is because they don't have a good view of who he is. Now go back to 1 John 5, and, and, and uh, I, I need a, a, a someone in the audience that's going to help me. How many would like to participate in a, in a money situation? Anyway, come on in the white shirt. Come on, come on. I'm going I'm to pick you. Come on down. The price is right. Y'all give him a clap. You know, do it, do it. You got to run, brother. Okay. Now, uh, somebody else who want to participate in the money. Okay, I saw your hand right here. I know you're in the middle. Come on out. Come on out. Yes, 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 yes. Come on out. Come on, let's clap for her. She acting just like they do on The Price is Right, ain't she? <laughs> okay. Now, come on closer. Come on closer. Give me your name. Emmanuel is his name. Give me your name. Tania is her name. Tanya is very excited right now. Now, Tanya, I'm going to give you $40. But you can only keep the $40 if I can't guess how much money is in his pocket. So here's $40, okay? And uh, do you have some money on you? Money, he got some money on him, okay? All right. Now, if I, if I can't guess how much he got, she gets to keep the $40. But if I can guess what's in his pocket, she got to get a $40 back. You got $40 in your pocket. Turn out, how much money you got in your pocket? What? Oh, give me my money back. Give me my money back. Now, 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 now. He, show, show, do, she want to see. Show her the $40. You got 40, show her the $40. Okay, there it is. She trying to figure it out. Now, the reason why I was so bold in knowing what was in his pocket, because I knew what was in there before he got up here. I didn't guess it. I asked him how much money you got. So I was bold. I knew she wasn't going to win this 
I was bold to know what was in his pocket because I already had an experience with him to find out what he had. And when you have an experience with God, when you know his word, you will have confidence that most people don't have. Now, I'm going to be nice and give this to you anyway, Tanya. There you go. What if you had the type of boldness to know that everything God said he would do, he would do? I wonder how you would act. I wonder what your attitude toward giving to God would be if you knew that a harvest was coming when you did it. So the word confidence means boldness. Now, confidence is mostly based on the assurance of what we know we can do or what we know what somebody else can do. And that's why we root for certain teams. We know, oh, they're going to beat so-and-so because they're better than them. In other words, confidence comes mostly from our knowing of what a person can do or what we can do. Now, in this case, history sometimes helps us predict whether or not something is going to happen. So here's the thing. Confidence, biblical confidence, should be based on past integrity and or, watch this, our personal knowledge and experience with God. Amen. Now, go to John, go back to John chapter 5. Go to John chapter 5. Let's go back to verse 14. It says, and this is the confidence that we have in him. Notice the confidence is not in you. Notice the confidence is not in what you did or didn't do yesterday. He had, they, this Bible had nothing to say about how you acted to determine what your confidence. He said your confidence ought to be in him. And most people don't have an asking issue because if you keep reading it says, you know, you can ask anything according to his will. Most people don't have an asking issue. You, you know what? And most people don't have a God hearing them issue. Most people have a confidence in God doing it issue. Most people never fully believe that they will get their prayers answered by God. And here's why. Because their confidence is in them and not in him. When you want to reach the 100% prayer answered status, you got to come to the point where your confidence is not in just the prayer you prayed, but it's in the prayer who you prayed to. And this is why a lot of people don't get saved. You know why some people don't get saved? They don't get saved or they don't trust God with 100% of their life because they don't believe that they can live up to his standard of living. But see, when it, that, that verse we just read had nothing to do with how you lived. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to show you something real quick. Now, I'm telling you right now, Ephesians 2, look in verse 8. I am about to offend some people. 
Look at your neighbor and say, get ready. I'm about to offend, especially if you are very religious or if you have been in church a long time, I'm probably about to shock you. Ephesians 2, look in verse 8. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And even that is not from yourself. It's the gift of God. Verse 9, not of what? Not of works, lest any man should boast. Let's just stop right there. He's saying, you know what? The reason you have the right to salvation is not because of what you've done and it's not because of your works. But he goes on to say in verse 10, or verse 9, not of works lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Now, I'm going to read Ephesians 2, verse 8 in the NIV version. Watch what it says. God saved you by his grace when you believe, and you can't take credit for this. It is the gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Salvation, listen to this now, I'm about to shock you. Salvation is not about how I live. Salvation is about how Christ lived. I'm going to say that again. Salvation is not about how you live. Salvation is based on how Christ lived. And the reason most people don't have boldness towards God is because they are looking at how they live and not how Christ has lived. Let me tell you something. There is absolutely nothing you can do in the flesh to earn your way into heaven. The way you get the confidence that I'm talking about tonight is understanding that the state of righteousness is different from righteous works. So, Pastor, what are you saying? The state of righteousness is what happens when you get born again. When you accept Christ as your Savior, guess what happens? The Holy Spirit comes in you, you get born again, He takes you out of darkness, He puts you in the light, and guess what? The Bible calls that being born again. God's Spirit comes on the inside of your spirit, and guess what? Your spirit now is not only clean, it is free from sin forever. But most of us mix up the state of righteousness with works of righteousness. See, most of us, we got saved based on works of righteousness. You say, Pastor, what's the difference? Works of righteousness are just things that righteous people do. But you can do righteous works and not be a righteous person. See, that's why good people go to hell because they don't realize it's not the works that get you in. It's his works that get you in. And if you can have the confidence that Jesus died for your sins, why can't you have confidence that when you pray and ask God for something, he's going to do it? I have learned that confidence in God comes when I understand who he is. Can you say amen to that? 
See, our obedience to God should not be to get blessings as much as it should be for us to show that we love Him. See, most of us, we obey God because we want the blessings. But that's not why you really should obey God. You really should obey God because you love Him. Amen. John 14, 15 says, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. John 15, 10 says, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even if I have kept my father's commandments and I abide in his love. In other words, we obey because we love, not because we are scared that God is going to come out of heaven with a big stick. Confidence starts with who God is to you. And some of us need to be brainwashed. That's a bad word. No, it ain't because some of you all's brain has, has downloaded viruses from what people have said about you. My wife said something this evening. People are not qualified to evaluate you if they didn't create you. Amen. So here's the million dollar question. Because see, here's the thing. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So here's my question. Who is God to you? Is he the God with the big stick? Waiting on you to mess up so he can clobber you upside the head? Is he the God that knows what you want but don't give it to you because he delights in your suffering? I'm not going to send them a husband. I just want to see how long they can just stay celibate. Is he the God of not enough, just enough, or more than enough? See, some of us, we're living, our life right now is a reflection of what somebody else's experience was. You know, people, you know, back in the day, they, they felt that, you know, to be godly means to be broke. But how can you be a blessing to somebody if you're not blessed? I mean, I mean, I've had no money, and I have some money. I think I like having money better. I mean, how many in here enjoy being broke? Just raise your hand, because I'm going to pray for you right now. Anybody enjoy being broke? Just, I mean, broke people don't even have smiley faces. Have you seen, listen, have you seen people who uh, drive down the road? And, and I don't, you know, if, if you live in Texas, you need, it, is, it should be a legal requirement to have air conditioning. And what's interesting is I see people sometimes with brand new cars. But because they don't want to burn extra gas, they are riding with the windows down. Have you ever seen somebody's... Okay, when y'all leave here tomorrow, when, when it's hot and people's windows are down, I guarantee you, this is how they face look. Because it's hot. You can't go by somebody else's experience if it wasn't a biblical experience. Is he, in your opinion, is he the God of eternal forgiveness or does he remember every sin I've ever done? Because, see, if you think God remembers every sin you've done, you can't go boldly and have confidence when you go and pray. Let me tell you something. 
Jesus, when he died, took care of your past, present, and future sins. He said, well, pastor, you know, because I ask people all the time, I say, okay, let's say you were in a dying, uh, somebody was dying in a hospital bed and, and uh, uh, they were saved. They had already been born again and they lied right before they died and they died. I asked people, well, where do you think they would go? A lot of people say, well, I think they would go to hell because they didn't get to confess their sin. Well, if I have to confess every single sin, what if I'm doing something and I don't know? Let me tell you, let me just show you why Jesus took care of your past, present, and future sins. Because if he didn't, every time you sin, he'd have to die again. Did you get that? Jesus only died one time because his one death took care of every sin you will ever do. When you have that righteous kind of mindset, it doesn't matter if you just had an argument with your wife. Father, in Jesus' name, we need our electricity bill paid. Father, it's $800 and we don't have it. But Father, I'm a tither. And you said you would open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Why are you doing that? The devil is saying, yeah, but you just argued with your wife. You know what you have to do when voices like that? How many have voices be coming when you be trying to pray? They're just trying to block. They're just they're trying to block your... Look, what you need to just say, excuse me, God, hold on for a minute. Shut up in Jesus' name. Amen. Who is God to you? Which brings me to my second point as we get ready to close. Point number two is confidence comes when you know what you believe is the truth. I'm going to say it again. Confidence comes when you know what you are believing is the truth. Amen. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy 1 verse 11 and 12. I like what Timothy was writing or what Paul was writing to Timothy in this book. He says in verse 11 in chapter 1 of 2 Timothy, Whereunto I'm appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher to the Gentiles. For, the, for this which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. Watch this now. Watch his boldness. For I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him. He was saying, I know who I believe in. When you have that kind of confidence, you don't have to worry about if you get laid off or not. It doesn't matter because he's Jehovah Jireh. It doesn't matter what the doctors told you in writing. Guess what? He is Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. Amen. Go to 1 Kings as we close. 1 Kings. Now, this is a long story. I'm going to try to get through this. 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings 18. I'm going to have to put my reading glasses on. Because this story, is, it, it depicts the confidence of Elijah, the man of God. 1 Kings 18. Because my goal is when you get out of here today, when you read the Bible, you take it just what it says. If it says by his stripes you are healed, you are healed. Don't worry about how you feel. Just, fo just focus on that you heal. See, whatever you focus on is what you'll talk about. 
So it's my, if my focus is the word, I'm going to say the word. And when I say the word, faith's going to come. And when faith comes, guess what's going to happen? Manifestation occurs. Amen. Watch this. 1 Kings 18. Look now in verse 17. This, we're going to read a lot, but I'm going to get through this. Watch this. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, and Ahab said to him, Are you coming to trouble Israel? Verse 18. And he answered and he said, I'm not coming to trouble Israel. But you and your father's house, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you have followed Balaam. Now, Balaam was a false god. Verse 19. Now, therefore, send and gather to me all Israel and Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal, 450 of them, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. He said, go get all the people who are worshiping these false gods. Go get them. And then in verse 20 it says, 21 it says, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long will you halt between two opinions? He said, Look, are you going to be on the true side or are you going to be on the false God side? He says, How long will you halt between two opinions? If the Lord be your God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered and said, Not a word. They were confused. Because, see, false gods look like they produce real things. See, see, a psychic can say something that's true but can't change nothing. But a prophet can see something and say that it's true and change it. Watch this now. Verse 22. Then Elijah said unto the people, even I, only I remain a prophet, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. He said, let them therefore go get two bullocks. What he's about to do, he's about to have them to put two sacrifices together. He said, go get some bullocks and go get one for you and, and cut them in pieces, put them on some wood. Don't put no fire under it. And then I will dress the other bullock and I will lay wood and I won't put no fire under it. And then he says, now what I want you to do, I want you to call, verse 24, call on the name of your gods and then I will call on the name of the Lord. And if the God that answers by fire, let him be God. He said, okay, you get your sacrifice, and I'm going to get my sacrifice. Don't put no fire under yours, or don't put no fire under mine. He said, now, whoever's fire can be lit without lighting it, that's who God really is. Watch what he says now. Verse 25, and Elijah said unto the prophets, choose one bullock for yourself, dress it first, blah, blah, blah. Verse 26, and they took the bullock, which was given, and they dressed it, and they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. That's a long prayer. Let's say it was 8 in the morning. That's four hours of calling on Baal. Oh, Baal. Oh, Baal. Come down. Come down. Come down. Four hours. Let's see what happened. Then it says, oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. Nobody answered. So then they leaped upon the altar. They got on top of it. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Hey, why don't you just cry a little louder? Maybe he don't hear you. <laughs> For he is God. Oh, hey, God. Either he's, maybe he's talking to somebody. Maybe he's pursuing something. Maybe he's on a journey, on vacation. Maybe he's sleep <laughs> and must be awakened. 
I mean, he's just making fun of their God. You know why he's making fun of their God? Because he's got confidence in his God. The reason why you can walk with your head up on your job is because your job is not your source. Your God is your source. The reason why you can walk around and say all of my needs are met because God will never lie. So let's see what happened. He said, maybe, maybe y'all need to wake him up. So then verse 28, they cried aloud and they cut themselves. They started cutting themselves. Hey, what? Maybe he'll come down if we start bleeding enough. Don't laugh. Some of y'all do that. Well, maybe I just need to confess the sin when I was 15 years old and maybe God will answer me. No, he, he, listen, when God forgives you, he forget. he don't even remember your sin. Let me tell you something. One time I was praying about something and I can't remember what it was, but I was praying about something and it was something that I did. And the Lord said, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, what do you mean you don't know what I'm talking about? I just did that. He said, but didn't you ask me to forgive you? I said, yeah. He said, then I don't remember it. Well, if God doesn't remember it, why do you? Watch what happened. Verse 30. And Elijah said to all the people, come to me. And all the people came to him and he repaired the altar because, you know, they was jumping on it and stuff because it was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. And the, uh, from whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel will be thy name. Verse 32. And with the stones he built the altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench upon the, uh, about the altar. And great, watch this, uh, two measures of seed. And then he put the wood down. Then he cut the bullocks in pieces. And he laid the, everything down. And then he, he just went to the extreme. He filled four barrels with water. And he poured water on the sacrifice. How many know it's already hard for a sacrifice to get lit without matches and you're going to put some water on it? He put four barrels of water on there. Watch this. In verse 34 said, and then they did it a second time. And then they did it a uh, first time, a second time. Then he said, do it a third time. And they did it. And then watch this. The water ran over the altar. It filled the trench and it came to pass at the time of the offering that Elijah came near and he said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, Lord. And guess what the Bible says in verse 38? Then the fire of the Lord failed and consumed the burnt sacrifice. What would you do if you was in that situation? Would you have the boldness that Elijah has? We ought to have more boldness, and I'm going to tell you why. Because Elijah them had to sacrifice animals for their sin. Jesus is our sacrifice. Yeah. Amen. And that's why confidence comes when you know the truth. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. 
Confidence comes when you know the truth. Faith comes when you know the truth. And manifestation comes when you stand on the truth. That's why the Bible says after you've done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girt about with the truth. Amen. When you experience adversity in your life, that's not the time to question whether God is real. Amen. When you experience delay, that's not the time to wonder or to give up on your faith. When the money is funny, that's not the time to question whether tithing is right. When you see adversity in your life, that's when you have to stand up and declare that God is bigger than the situation you're in. And I'm going to close with this. God told me, Evan, I want you to start a church in Arlington, Texas. I said, okay. When you want me to do that? Right now. I look at my bank account, and I had a little money, but I didn't have enough money to do something like this. And what I didn't do, what most people do, is I didn't stare at the facts too long for it to mess my faith up. If God said it, he will do it. And some of you are right now in your life, you are at a Red Sea, you are at a crossroads, and you're trying to wonder, you're trying to come up with your own answer. And I'm telling you, go to the book. Because the Bible says he will do whatever according to his will. Well, it's his will for you to be healed. If it's his will for you to, to be, I know some of y'all, you want, I want to get married, I want to get married. Well, guess what? He wants you married. So with every head bowed, Every head bowed, right there. Nobody's moving. There are some of you in this room who've never given your heart 100% to Jesus Christ. And you know why you haven't? Because you didn't think.